1: Big Jim is wearing his I I was definitely hurt by it because it felt like, obviously it was a witch hunt You know, I don't want to say anything now that I could regret in the future but in terms of, you know, yeah I'll be fine don't worry about me but this is the life I chose, this is what I signed up for He basically just told me what I needed to do to be in the team that I've got two weeks to do it. He basically said that I need to carry better. In terms of experiencing France or Japan or Australia, definitely something that I've thought about before but I've never done. I think now would be the right time to, to pull the trigger on something like that.
0: On this episode, I'm joined by a former teammate of mine, one of the best players of my generation. It's the wonderful, the massive Billy on How are you, Bill? Mate, how good is this to have you in the studio? Like, I'm loving it. I'll tell you why. you were the first part of my chapter in the media when we did
1: Don't Mess With Jim at Saracens. Do you remember it or not? I do. It was in the corner, back left. Yeah. And I remember thinking it was just a bit of a joke. But here we are now, Spotify. Can you believe it? How good? (laughs) This is unreal. Unreal. Getting peppered by Faz saying, look at
0: you fucking jokers. (laughs) Do you remember the question that I asked you or not? What question? About who would win between the Vunapolas and the Tualangis. I was trying to get a bit of clickbait. Oh,
1: no, I don't remember answering that either. Did you answer it?
0: You didn't answer it. You said it would be hell of a fight. Or you said you'd join together. That's what you said. Unite. You got an answer now or not? Now you're older?
1: Um, No. Even less so, I'm older now. Yeah. I was actually rooming with him in the autumn. Manu? Yeah. Is he all right? Good guy, man. Top lad? Yeah. Loves recovery. No. Loves recovery. Like, to be fair to him, he, he got a few boys on board. Faz, Jack Van Portfleet. So he'd uh, he'd always wake up early. I think he was like following Wim Hof. What? Yeah. Manu's following Wim Hof? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But he was doing cold baths in the morning, which... I just couldn't get on board with no, no. What do you mean the other lads were following? Him? Like,
0: surely Faz is doing recovery. No, no, in Van Porfley. Not in the
1: morning though. After training, yeah, yeah, definitely. But in the morning, I think it was just one of those like psychological things, like wake you up once. But
0: well, that's a big shift, isn't it? Not that I'm saying that Samoans mm. uh, or Fijians or Tongans because you're so gifted in terms of athletically, yeah. Don't think about recovery because apparently Semi R- Randra mad on.
1: Yeah, that stuff. As well. he's unbelievable professional. Yeah. From what uh, Carl Sinclair's told me and Max Mailings, It's just something that some people get into and some people like, don't. Well, there's a big shift now, isn't there? But mm. like, how are you,
0: mate? I've been retired now five years. I mean, it could have been 20 years. It's been that long now.
1: <laughs> you haven't missed much, Jim. No? You haven't missed I'm much. I haven't missed much. <laughs> Not in series, anyway. You got relegated down <laughs> to the, the champ. Exactly. I yeah. got brought in the newspapers. I couldn't speak for myself.
0: Uh, there's loads happened.
1: When was you broke You what? broke your
0: arm two or three times like you were so robust not that you're not robust now but Matt a lot's happened
1: yeah I think with my arm injuries you'll probably touch on it later on I got injured with my knee and then I came back they changed the rules to tackling below the waist and everyone started carrying lower so when I came back everyone was carrying head first so I I didn't adjust obviously because I was out and I ended up you say two or three times I broke my arm four times Four times. So three on my right and then once on my left. And then obviously the last one was just before the Six Nations that we got relegated, 2020, and then COVID hit. I'd say it's the craziest year I've ever experienced Mm. in my rugby career. And then we come back, we beat Leinster, nearly got to another final, lost with that chip from Finn Russell, which I'm still gutted about to this day, to be honest. But And then the wheels fell off. Obviously, you get relegated.
0: True. Hey, I love how you just sped through The wheels fell off. We, Jesus. We
1: lose some of the biggest, best characters at the club. you Brad Barrett's of this world. And we go into a territory which is unknown with COVID. We lose our first game against Cornish Pirates. Oh, God. And then, you know, we we did well to, to hold some of our boys together. Mostly all the boys and lost Goody to Japan, obviously. Uh, came back, saved our season at the end against Ealing. Last year was... Uh, sorry, I, I just skimmed over England there. Um, didn't have a great Six Nations, obviously. Finished fifth. Then got dropped for the summer tour uh, of Canada and the USA. Didn't make the Lions tour. Then the the following year, I thought if I could play well, i get back into the team, England team. Couldn't get in played probably my most consistent year for two or three years for saris got to a final lost at the last hurdle went to australia won another series with with england came back and started off with a blinder with saris and just couldn't get it together with england and now eddie's gone but nothing's (laughs) happened in five years (laughs) you haven't missed much (laughs) Right, let's go back a bit. So
0: how are you? you? Let's go in the present, because when a player breaks his arm, Mm. and I didn't really know this until Grant Gilchrist from Scotland, who I played with, mentored a little bit, saw how hard it was. You think you break your arm, you bang a plate, and it'll be stronger than ever. But I didn't didn't realise yours was four. I think he might have done it three times. Mm. Why is it such a difficult injury to get back from?
1: No, the first one was probably on me. I I didn't get a plate put in it, and they said, "Look, normally these bones don't heal by themselves." And I'm like, "Nah, I reckon I'll be all right." And I was all right. I came back, I was fine, but I didn't wear a plate. I didn't wear a protective armor over it. So I was like, "Not only did I not get a plate put in it, but I didn't wear anything to shield it." So I broke it. I think it was South Africa. The first time I broke it, sorry, was against Ospreys. I just came back from my knee, my second knee. And then I came back and went on tour with England 2018. Then they put a plate in it the second time, and then the third time on my right arm was the game we got actually told we were relegated from the Premiership against Racing at home, 2020, just before COVID. I just my arm just got caught in a weird position. No one else's fault. Surgeon did everything he could. Just got it caught in a tackle, like you know the Fijian handoff, where you try and like brush someone's.
0: I've seen it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Instead of like bracing, I try to slap someone's arm. And as I was in that position, their shoulder just hit oh. my arm into my leg, twisted it and broke it again. You feel it? Yeah. Mm. But I try to play it off, but then I put my arm on my waist. That was my test because I put it on my waist and it like gives. With the rotation as yeah. well. And then then I knew it was broken. Oh, Bill. And then my left one was actually against Glasgow similar thing i tried to whack someone hit the head didn't tell anyone went off for half time i knew it was broken but i just wanted to carry on playing and then i tried to lift i think it was nick azikwe trying to lift him and as i lifted him my arm just like gave way so i just walked off
0: <laughs> nails the scars just show me the scars i know people can't see them yeah the right one is proper eh? yeah i'd be fucked if i had that because it'd be over the superman face he <laughs> looked like that it looks like batman now anyway well, yeah. But you've come back good now. Yeah. Like, how was it during that time? Were you straight and narrow? Were you off the rails? Were you struggling? Because I say my time at Saracens, I'm involved with you, lads. Not that you're not in your prime now, but it was all glory. Yeah. But like, I joined, we won the Prem, we won back-to-back. You're Nothing to do with me, but it was a glorious yeah. time. Like, it was you're awesome. You're part of the team. I, I was man, part of the team. team. I played 20-odd games <laughs> in the year we won Europe. It was exactly. so, But it was awesome. Yeah. And then, obviously, from afar... I'm watching these things unfold and watching you as well, like one of my favorite players mm. going through a tough time. How were you with, with that? Were you all right or did you mentally need a rest or did you struggle with back to back?
1: I probably injury? was too confident. With my knees, I did my meniscus twice. I, I always came, they always said four months, which is 16 weeks. So I always came back within 10 weeks. I, I think my body broke down because I didn't let it recover and let it heal. You know, when you're injured and you're training with Phil one on one in the corner. Phil's our SNC or used to be the SNC, at the, the club.
0: He only looked after the big time. So I, I
1: <laughs>
0: didn't go near me.
1: And it's a, it's a tough, tough place to be when you're injured, which is why you're asking about the mental health stuff. And to be honest, I did struggle because when I did my knee the first time, it was the first time I ever required surgery. And I started drinking when I was, I only started drinking when I was 25. I was part of
0: that process. Not as in the drinking, but I saw you drinking.
1: Yeah. And so I went from not drinking my whole life to getting my first serious, serious injury when I was 25 and then just thinking, right, I'm going to start drinking. Then I started drinking. uh, Just before I started drinking, people probably don't know this, but I broke up with my now wife. I don't know, I was just going through a weird phase Mm. of just wanting to... Be that 20-year-old that never got to be a 20-year-old. Sounds silly, but, you know, I I never did that. I never was in an academy. First year out of school, I was playing for Wasps. We were on the brink of getting relegated. Even when I was 16, I I mean 17, I played my first game in the Prem. So I never got to just be a kid. Sounds ungrateful sometimes, but I did it when I was 25 and in probably the middle of my career. And so... It's no coincidence for me that all my injuries happened when, you know, I went on a a bender essentially for 10 months before I went calling back to my wife.
0: (laughs) I remember when you were going out drinking because of the way that things were at Saracens, everything was so tight. Everything was dealt with in-house, wasn't it? And again, now I'm out of it. There was parts of it I found uncomfortable, Mm. like the way that Owen would speak to people within that environment, you know, the, the way that... It kind of was, it was, I always said it was like a brotherhood mm. and I was like a cousin that was coming in for a bit, like coming into the setup. Whereas on the outside, I say I was uncomfortable because I'd never been in that environment. Yeah. Gotta miss it. And I watch the successes of Saracens and how the club and the team is rebuilt and you lads, the nucleus that have stayed. And that is only because of that brotherhood Yeah, and because of the nucleus of teams that buy in and believe, but also can speak to people and speak to their brothers in a way in which you would never. I've never seen it before. In, yeah, like frank discussions. And one thing I remember, I don't know whether you're happy to share this, but Maka called you out, didn't he? And and you had to go at the front of the meeting. Is this right? Or have I completely made yeah, this yeah, up? Yeah, you had yeah. to apologise to yeah. the guys. Yeah. Can you just explain what that is? Because I've been in an environment with Henry, Freddie, Manu, yeah. Alex, Tuolangi, Andy. There, there was loads. Vi. There was there was loads of them. And there was a hierarchy part. Yeah, to that which, is, again, it's something that really interests me. But I love it. Yeah, I you know I think it's such an amazing thing. You might not love it being a younger brother, <laughs> but when you were in, in that process, I do remember. I don't remember how dark or how deep it went, but I remember that Maka made you go up and apologise to the Lads, and you got quite emotional. Yeah, and then Alex Sanderson was like, and Maka told him to fucking move away and let you stand there and yeah deliver an apology. I think it was to the lads.
1: Essentially, what happened was. Like you said, we used to run a tight ship and I was rebelling, not only like myself, for myself, the way I was like training, it was felt monotonous at the time, you know, like coming in every day, training harder than everyone else and then just going home, training by yourself, as every injured player knows. And drinking was like my vice at that time. And I wasn't just doing it on the weekends, I was doing it on, you know, weekdays And essentially what I was doing was like, I was getting a hold of all the younger boys and leading them astray. And to be fair, it was was a smart call because Smallie, Mark McCall, probably went to my brother instead of him coming direct to me. I remember him pulling me outside the change rooms in a ways, right where you walk out to the first team pitch. And we were under the veranda upstairs. And I remember thinking, oh, What's she want to go out with me or? (laughs) And he basically said, Look, mate, you're leading everyone astray. You're supposed to be one of the leaders in this team. I felt like I was still young when I was 25, so I didn't have to set an example. And he basically said that the example I was setting is basically the opposite of what we want at this club, which is fair enough.
0: Who said that? Mark? No, Mac. Oh, your brother. Yeah.
1: And I remember being annoyed with him at first, but then realizing the reason why I'm. I am annoyed because he's right. And he said that he thinks I should say sorry to the group of lads because I let them down. I said, who? And he just started reeling off names. And it was, you know, my peers, people that I cared about, people that I didn't want to let down. And people for people that know me, like I don't like letting people down that I care for. So I remember being really nervous before having to stand up because I felt that judgment of people. Like you said, sometimes in a brotherhood, you feel that judgment. And the reason why I was happy to get up and apologize is because Michael came and told me direct rather than being one of those guys who just stood there and was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. He's He's a disgrace. And so when I stood up there, I felt like it was on me to say sorry and to try and change. But I was happy to do it. Not only because of, like I said, letting the boys out, but like you said as well, Muckle being my elder and respecting him for, because he's in the position, he's older than me, he's my brother and he's relaying to me a message that is obviously coming from everyone else. You've got to believe people when they say what they see. So I I was more than happy to do it. I think Al Sanderson was probably just uncomfortable at the time and felt like they were picking on me or making me do this, but... It was definitely, no one made me do it. It was definitely something that I wanted to do. I'll tell you what, there were some more uncomfortable
0: meetings than that. (laughs) You know, there was part of that. Look, there was, uh, romance is the wrong word. Like, for the listeners, you, you have had to have been there. And that was the thing at Saracens with everything that happened. Yeah, And again, we are probably the wrong people to be talking about it because we've been there. We've been influenced by winning things. We've been part of the glory. But we were talking just before about, the layer of the land in rugby and how that's changed. And a large part of that, I believe, is because of what's happened to Saracens Mm. and obviously COVID, right, as well. But I just believe that the Saracens thing just sparked something so big in terms of the finances of rugby, what you can and can't do, owners wanting to invest in players. And let's not forget, I'll say it, let's not forget, Saracens got done and people are going to be hating me for this. They'll probably just turn it (laughs) off right now. People... Forget, Saracen's got done on one thing, an overvaluation of Maratogi's Image Rights Company, which is probably now the best investment anyone's ever made. Yeah. That's it. As a club, and I'm out of it at the time, how are you feeling as a player when that's happened? Are you resenting the club because this has happened? Are you resenting the media because they're all over it? As a, as a young man in it who's got ambitions to carry on playing for England... You know, one of the best players in the world.
1: The Lions is on the horizon. I was I was definitely hurt by it because it felt like obviously it was a witch hunt. And When
0: you say witch hunt, like specifically,
1: what do you mean by that? It was a, well, it felt like to me that it was only because we were so successful that clubs came after us, owners, whoever you want to call it. You've been in a gym where we've had it before games, you know, we were obviously hurt by it, but at the same time when they gave us the first 35 points, I just remember being like unbelievably excited by it. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to do this, lads. Which is why I was even more hurt when they then turned around and said that we've doubled your point deduction. And I just remember thinking to myself, I'm never going to leave. I think I talked to you on Rugby Pass. Yeah, you did, yeah. And... I remember thinking to myself, right. I'm staying here, this is my club, this is my team, which it is. It, it'll always be my team. But now I'm starting to see the other side of it, you know, the business side of it. Like you said, with COVID, everyone having to sign a deal. Not sure people might will know this, but you get offered a deal. The COVID deal was on a Thursday, I think, a random Thursday and you had to sign it by Monday. So you had a weekend to think about whether you're willing to firstly take a massive pay cut and whether you're willing to sign that pay cut for, say, three or four years, not knowing what the salary cap is going to do, not knowing what money might might or might not be there. So it was a big decision for a lot of people, which is why you saw a lot of movement last year, was because probably last year was the last year of people leaving. Now you got the likes of Cowan Dickey, Sam Simmons now leaving. And people say, yeah, they, they shouldn't play for money. But... We just talked about injuries, right? How many people in office jobs ever have broken their arm and how many people have had to come back from that within a certain time period to try and get back to play a big pressure game? Mm. So it's it's different demands, I get it. But some people don't always understand the full facts behind, you know, the salary cap. And And I always look at football and I'm like, right, Man United for the last, I don't really watch football. The last two or three years have spent the most in the transfer window and they still are rubbish
0: Bristol without calling them out I'll say at the (laughs) minute as we record yeah I know that's fine (laughs) they're bottom of the prem as we record this
1: and they've got the richest owner in the whole premiership well I I, I don't know but
0: I'll say he is
1: (laughs) yeah he is exactly they've got the nicest training facilities they've got the nicest everything but it doesn't buy what we've got at Sarri's and it will never buy what we've got at Sarri's we joke about it now but you know the training facilities? How bad are they?
0: Not the best. <laughs> I was in. The, I was in the first changing room. Is that still there? They call it the elephant's graveyard, where basically the players go to die. That's like the last stop before you're out the door. <laughs> don't, Horrible. don't
1: say that, Max. Changed it now.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, what, he's still in he's, there. Oh, is he still in there? He's
1: still in there. He reminisces about you guys all the time. He, he remembers when he was the youngest in that changing room, and he's, uh, he runs a tight ship. Does he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember every day,
0: Ashy literally (laughs) used to kick the door down and say, here he is, the bag of shit, to me. And I can literally, I could barely put my boots on. I was that fucked. I could barely put my boots on. Here he is, the bag of custard. Good job I'm so mentally resilient. It was so good. Mate, we had like some good times. You know the trips and stuff like that? I was like, again, I try not to think too much about it because it was so good. Yeah. Some of the trips... That one where we were in Marbella, the Brendan, yeah. the Brendan night, which I think is the one that where Smalley didn't see me as a captain. We can talk <laughs> about it. Where we dressed up as the older lads dressed up as superheroes. Superheroes. Yeah, superhero. I was a superhero. Yeah. Me and Para were superheroes. And then the middle aged lads were Cops. coppers. What you were you a copper robber? You? No, you, I was a robber. Were you were a young lad. Yeah. You're a robber. And then basically it was a pub crawl. Yeah. So the robbers go first. Yeah. And then the coppers start two drinks behind or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then the superheroes have got a chase. And Because yeah. that was my cup final, effectively. <laughs> I can't even see by the time we get to pub number six. And I remember just coming down the promenade in Marbella and there was police everywhere. But I thought it was like you lads. yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought it was like the coppers. I thought it was like the middle-aged yeah. lads, but it was actually coppers. And, yeah, real police. And I just remember Kieran Longbottom jumping into the water. Let's say he got tasered in the back as he was going in. <laughs> it sounds better. And then I went off the rails that night. That's where I lost all credibility, didn't Do I? Do you want to tell that story? You or not? can. You can tell it your version of it, and then I'll kind of finish my. Are you version. sure? Yeah,
1: you can, mate. It's the Big gym Show. You say it, what uh, you want. So we're in the uh, the nicest spot I'd say in Marbella, Lenikers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is this the night after the superheroes? The yeah, same yeah, night? Yeah, it's the night after. I'm hanging. Because we're, in, in. we're all white.
1: Remember, we went to the
0: all we white did. party. We did. That's when me and Faz had a scuffle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not his first or last scuffle on a trip. But anyway, we were at this Lineker's bar, and I remember everyone wanting to move on to Tebu. I remember because I was stone cold sober at the time, I didn't drink. I was 21, 22. And I remember my job was to try and round everyone up. It's norm- It was normally either look after Muckle or like round the boys up, keep everyone together. So I remember rounding everyone up and I just see this big gym at the bar with a geezer. And I'm like... <laughs> Good looking bloke. <laughs> I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> but I remember saying to Jim, I was like, Jim, come on, mate. We're, we're moving on to the next spot. And I remember you just look at me, like giving me that look where you didn't know me. I was like... Jim, I've been with you the whole time. I was hanging. Vulnerable. <laughs> anyway, he's, he's grabbed his four drinks, two for him, two for Oh, uh, mate, let's call him Brendan. And I remember walking to the door and just looking back, taking like one last glance and thinking, should I go get him?
0: <laughs> I can finish it if you want. Yeah, you and then it. Brendan's just lent in. He thought I was leaving. <laughs> Brendan thought I was leaving. <laughs> so he lent in for a kiss and I just gave him what he wanted. Was such a lovely bloke. And I lost all credibility that day.
1: Vice hey, it's cap- memories
0: though. I know, Vice Captain Scotland lost all credibility. And uh, the wife now knows. I said, look. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I was just giving back to the community, effectively. And the lad saw that. And that's where, yeah, that's where Mark McCall realized that I wasn't the Jamie Cudmore enforcer. <laughs> that he thought I was you know me and Smalley had a chat you know like these trips and stuff I know you just said that you didn't drink but most of the time we all drank yeah. right? and the inhibitions are down and there's an old school element to having that in a rugby team yeah. I believe in it yeah. I loved it That's was part of my identity and I remember when we were skiing another great trip Yeah. I don't even ski until like last <laughs> night where I was running down the hill and we'll come on to that but I remember we were at the APRA ski yeah and Smalley had shouted at me at the game before, a game against Gloucester, where I gave away a penalty against mm. Gloucester. And I did the whole build up with a meeting. So I had to talk in the meeting, my old club, like former captain of Gloucester. I was barred up for the game, gave away a penalty in the game. Like I need Charlie Sharples accidentally in the head. I remember it vividly. <laughs> and he was knocked out. So I'm on top of him saying that you're right, mate. He's one yeah. of my good mates. The referee pings me for being on the wrong side. <laughs> Smalley goes ballistic <laughs> at me in the changing room. And as we know, the whole thing at saris was like, you don't speak to people in a bad way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we never really cleared the air mm. until we were, went skiing. And I remember Juan Figalo gave, Juan Figalo Figlo gave <laughs> Smalley this giant blow-up penis, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sat there, and I made a beeline, and Smalley's kind of gave me the eyes. And we sat there, and we had a, this long heart-to-heart how Smalley didn't want to sign me. The yeah. Saracens, it wasn't his idea. It was Steve Borthwick who wanted me to come, and Brendan Venter. Mate, it opened up. Really? Opened up on me, yeah, over a few beers, which I liked. Because yeah. I always felt like there was this underlying thing where Phil would never even look at me.
1: Well, that's the thing about those trips is people don't understand is that they think that people just go out there and, and get drunk, which we do. We do get to at the end, but it's normally like planned out so that we do things together. So you go out for a meal as a team or you separate into little groups that with people that you wouldn't necessarily hang out with. So that when you're a little bit tips, you know everyone opens up and everyone's a little bit more honest when they're drunk, that you open up like that. And Smalley, I remember on that same trip, turning around and saying to DV, I might as well start smoking because everyone was just <laughs> tapping away. <laughs> Do you remember? And I was like, wow. <laughs> well, that this was the
0: crazy thing. So even when we were in Marbella and we went to that uh, VIP party, yeah. And well, Alex Anderson's organised it, and we're, like it's meant to be white linen or yeah. whatever. And we've gone as fucking tennis players, right? We look like ridiculous. <laughs> I remember getting to the top, and there was like food, there was sushi, yeah. there was vodka, there was drink, and there was like packs of cigarettes. <laughs> making a beeline, and that's where me and me and Faz had a scrap because I've put like I think it was a cigar more than a cigarette in my mouth and taken a selfie, and he's whispered in my ear saying, "Do you know you look like a right cunt?" That's what he said, and I've just gone full cough skin, and. You know, best thing I ever did because the story's here to tell. But yeah, like yeah. it was just, the the weird thing about them trips is like, well, it was two for one that when we got back and we landed, the training session was so hard yeah, that yeah, I regretted yeah. it, but it was never held against you. Nah. It was never really spoken yeah, about yeah, apart yeah, yeah. from where it'd pop up, like pictures would pop up in different meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like thinking about, it, I'm smiling. I can't not smile. And people be like, whoa, you had all the money in the world. Fucking, and what? Do you <laughs> know what I mean? Like, as in, yeah, you want to invest in that, you want to invest in that. Yeah. Like, because they speak about and they spoke about memories. And it was interesting because when I got to Sari's, it just come off the back of you getting beat by Northampton yeah. and then hammered by Toulon. Yeah. So naturally, because I've never been in an environment like that, I'm like, fucking hell, there we go. We yeah. have the, and then you have the first initial meeting. And I remember Alex going up and saying, Last year we had the best you boys had the best year, best attack, best defence, best this, best that, finished top of the prem comfortably yeah. and didn't win anything. So therefore, when it comes to winning and losing, does that define a team? Does that define an organization? Mm. Because if you don't win the cup at the end, does that mean you you've lost? Yeah. Well, in a way. But he was outlining all the good things, but he also said, so and so's had a kid, so and so's had yeah. a degree, this has happened these are the memories. Then they put this montage of the yeah. memories of lads in campervans and RVs in Miami and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. laughing and he's like, this is what it is. Yeah. He's like, the cup would have been nice. Of course it would. But making memories is what it is. And we, I joke about it a bit. Having won Europe twice and put myself in the front of the picture, having contributed to the Prem Final and all these things and been at World Cups and won the Prem with Leicester. I don't have any of that yeah. in the front of my mind. I have... The stories and the people, like I yeah. think about Jacques Petra Petrus Dupassi, yeah, like yourself, like Neil de Kock, Ernst Schubert, Andy Hazel, uh, Will James, mm. Harry Ellis, like the, the list is endless of people. Luke Abraham, memories, yeah, people,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah all yeah. that
0: doesn't matter, and, and and at Saracens it was so deep rooted and so genuine mm. that unless you were there. You wouldn't know. You, you wouldn't know and you yeah. can't explain. Yeah. Like you can't, like I'm tra- trying to contextualize it here. Yeah. I don't care about your, other people will. Yeah. Of course they will. Because it's sports about winning things, right? And Faz will tell you different. Yeah, yeah. We'll try and get Faz in. Do you think he'll come in? He didn't text you back, did he? He didn't text me back, no. Johnny Sexton texted me back. He's coming on. So Has Faz he? will come on. Johnny's coming on. And I said he should have retired at 34. So I publicly said, that's because I retired at 34.
1: Why did you retire, Jim? What made you retire? Couldn't put your boots on. I was fucked. Well, that was
0: another story. I couldn't put my boots on. That wasn't it. I signed a two-year deal at yeah. London Irish. Decent money yeah. and a testimonial for service to rugby. <laughs> so I was going to go to London Irish with Petra Stupacet. Yeah, yeah. And as we know, well, as we do, people don't, they think I, I, play, I was on the bench. But my last year, I played loads.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was hanging. I was taking painkillers to try and carry on. And then the straw that broke the camel's back was Beyonce in Edinburgh. Oh my
1: goodness, I remember.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Billy calls me Beyonce. Why did you call me Beyonce? Did I call myself Beyonce? You called
1: yourself Beyonce because we were going to Edinburgh to play um, Clermont in yeah. the Euro- European Cup final. Was it final. Clermont or Racing? Was it Clermont? Clermont, yeah. Oh, okay. And I remember, I just, I don't know, it is the most vivid memory I've got of the trip was you building up this week as your big homecoming. And then what it transpired to be was you, obviously now we know that you were very sick for five years, but at the time it was very funny. Yeah. Because you were sat in the corner of the train because we'd carried on from the night before, which is a different story actually because we took that form into the semi-final, which obviously we lost. But anyway, I remember seeing you in, in the train because I went looking for you because you weren't on the, on the bus that we were on. <laughs> or the carriage and I remember seeing you and taking a video and I think you tweeted it or posted it a few weeks ago. Yeah. But that was funny because this is how I remember we were preparing for a massive, massive game. Here you were just making light of it which made me feel like I, I didn't have all this pressure on my shoulders and then to have that all release after we won was like so that was my impact yeah making lads feel relaxed <laughs> the homecoming of Jim Hamilton to Edinburgh and remember the Mondeo when we got back I remember the bus pulling up to OAs <laughs> I'm not sure how humble you were at the time but you were saying you were humble I, I was and on death door getting a Ford Mondeo <laughs> head out the window I was a sick but, man I remember
0: Mrs. Well, I, did, thought I didn't I, think that was that serious yeah it was yeah my missus thought I had I said I had food poisoning Yeah. she said it was alcohol poisoning she's Heavily pregnant with the twins, like she's like six months pregnant with the twins, yeah. and she's massive, and she's come up to the final, and I can can't even get out of bed. And then that's how I, I retired from my career was being driven out of training in yeah. the back of a fucking Ford Mondeo, the vice oh, captain of yes. Scotland,
1: and then, and then we lose the extra the week after.
0: And I don't want to say <sighs> it, but that was one where Sladey put that kick in the corner, yeah, like out from the halfway line. It was a mall. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that George Cruz can't can't defend them all, but. Yeah. you know i could have could have done with beyonce i might have stopped that and that was it i retired i retired in exeter because i actually went down there after the game and yeah. then what transpired after that bill mate five years of not hell but a few years of like i was ill yeah like i'd had a i had ai picked up a thyroid disease so i got bl- blasted in the neck in the season broke my rib that i was carrying on playing with yeah injecting my rib taking painkillers Talking about transitioning, messes with I don't know whether it was stress related or it was like a contact blowout concoction of everything. I think it was a bit of everything. Yeah, and mate, so I picked up what's called. Listen to this. It's called Graves' disease. Yeah, that's I mean, imagine that. that. No, that's not great. No, so a hormone regulator and new, new Adam's apple, which is a function for everything yeah. on everyone, but like as a man regulates testosterone, hormone, cortisol, adrenaline, everything, yeah. and it was overactive. So that was the... I was ill the week before when we played against Wasp and we got hammered, mm. but I didn't really know what it was. And It's yeah, like, you yeah. know, as like lads you just get on, don't you? Yeah. And then from there I went down all the air fell out. And then you had to tell Irish you weren't coming? I told Irish I weren't coming, yeah. Yeah. But I told Irish... I was thinking about it before because I was struggling anyway yeah. in the leader, but I, again, I don't know whether that was like... Final straw. Yeah. I, I think... I'm trying to think back, but I was fucked. Yeah, and yeah, then it's yeah. been five years... Five years mm. since I was at Saris uh, that I had the operation six months ago. And I've just managed now to get it under control. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. Rugby and having you in the studio talking about rugby and watching things unfold. I'm in the media now, fuck yeah. knows how, but I found a backdoor way into media. <laughs> Doing and well, Jim. Yeah, well, it was never meant to be, but it is, and I'm, I'm loving it. Like, I'm loving the fact that I can do this and talk to you about it. But I've second-guessed myself for the last while Yeah, and chatting to different people and the fact that life is influenced a lot by social media mm. and the state of the game at the minute. And not just the finances, that's one part of it, but the safety of the game, everything. Like that's every Everything's about that at the minute. All the talking points after every game, all the big decisions yeah. are generally around high tackles and all these things. And I, not that I found myself second guessing, but I needed to sit on it for a while. And then having you in here and chatting to other mates, there's no better people best placed to talk about the direction of the game, but also what it's like. and. Yeah. Would they have done it again I've given my body right to yeah. the game I just spoke about it then I've been fucked for five years yeah not not bad but bad enough to end up having surgery off the back of it you've broke your arm mm. so many times and I'm watching this unfold where the narrative is about how dangerous the game is and player safety and I'm not talking about historically I'm just on about no. the here and now yeah, yeah. rugby. It's a dangerous sport at the top end. Yeah. And that is what people love about it. Yeah. That's what I loved about it. That's yeah. what I love about the game. Not the fact that, oh my God, it's danger, danger, danger. The fact that not many people can do it. Yeah. Like there ain't.
1: All willing to do it.
0: All willing to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, or are built to do it. Yeah like it, it's when you strip it back and i look at other sports i love other sports like football like i like ufc i've started watching nfl i'm not a fan of nfl but i've been watching it because mm. of the world that i'm in and because of the things that rugby are going through similar to what nfl are going through or have been through and are kind of having to front because of the money and the commerciality and the profile around it i'm looking at it i'm like, like rugby's a sport in which it ain't for everyone like yeah. as in we're not talking of grassroots. We're not talking about rugby as a whole. We're talking about the top end, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not talking about using the get about the game's gone soft. It's not gone soft. for To be sustainable, it needs to be safer. Yeah. So we know that we're at that point now. Like, how is it as players, when you're training, are you conscious of that? Oh, I wasn't. Matt, I didn't miss a day.
1: Yeah.
0: Out of, I guess, out of rugby, ever, in yeah, my career yeah, yeah, with yeah. concussion. Not a day. Never stood down. Flunked the cog tests or whatever they were, the test yeah. to try and play was one of the first players, I was the first player to come off with an independent doctor playing against England. Marla hit me with a forearm and I got pulled off because I thought I had concussion, but yeah. my back was fucked. That's why I was wobbly, wobbly. But as a player
1: now, how are you seeing everything? <clears throat> Look, this is obviously a tough one for me to answer, like you said, because I'm in it. However, what I would say is that with all the new law changes and with, and that, That isn't just, you know, tackling height, how you start your body, all these mitigating situations that you could or might not be in. I think it just opens up a way or a a bigger grey area for rugby. I'd, I'd admit this myself, like sometimes getting hit in my head. It might not be a bad contact, but you think, right, if I stay down long enough, do we get an extra player to come off? Which you'll see now. Happening, and then people getting up and playing on.
0: That's human instinct,
1: though. Yeah, because it is human in- instinct. But now that we've bought in all these new rules, it's allowed a space to to do these things. Whereas before, it was just black and white. But people don't want it to work like that anymore. Because, and this is my opinion, they are afraid of what might happen, like the NFL, who had to pay out millions two players that got concussed. And they've changed the the sport to be safer, which makes sense. You know, you don't tackle with your head, even though you got a helmet on, which makes sense. However, I don't know what the answer is. All I'm saying is that it's opened up the, a, a grey area for rugby that we haven't ever had before. You know, you watched our game against Gloucester. Instead of talking about the game, we're talking about Owen Farrell, who just tries to tackle someone, and unfortunately, that guy bends over. And I'll say this, I I bring that up because I did the same exact thing against Ireland in 2021 and got knocked out. And it wasn't because he was trying to knock me out. Bandiaki still rattles me to this day, but he wasn't trying to knock me out. He was just trying to hit me to stop my momentum from going forward. And people were saying, well, why didn't he tackle lower? Well, if he tackles lower, I'll just either get gain line, which is then hard for his team to defend, or I offload the ball and we keep on playing. So, there's it is so hard to make a perfect tackle when you're trying to stop speed of ball, stop gain line, and get a perfect tackle where you do that in a split second is it's it's, it's inevitable. It's a split second, yeah, it's
0: not even a second, yeah. Like, Ugo, Ugo did something where Ben Earl's tackle against London Irish, where he got sent off, he yeah. had 0.3 seconds, yeah, to adjust his body position because it like that point there around like stopping momentum, like having to tackle high, correct? I mean, obviously I'm agreeing with you because we think the same thing Mm. and, and people won't agree with it. Like the Owen Farrell one's are a really good situation to talk about because Owen Farrell, England captain, right? Yeah. He was two weeks out from, or three weeks out from playing for England and captain England against Scotland. Yeah. European Cup game the following week. All he is thinking is stop fucking momentum. Yeah. That's it. We were it. under
1: the pump as well because we Goody was in the bin. Yeah. 74th minute. It's like anyone. You just pick the tackle that you think is going to stop them going forward. You don't... He's not thinking, right, I'm going to hit him in the head. Because when you run at a fly half, I'll tell you this myself, when I run at a fly half, I think in my head, right, he's going to go low. So in, in Faz's head, I don't know if I... It's how I see it. He's got a chip on his shoulder where he's like, well, this guy thinks I'm a ten and he's just going to run over me, but not down my channel, which very <laughs> often happens. And that's the way he tackles, and
0: that's the way he defends. Well, that's the thing. The, the, on that point there, and people will be interested to hear this, that's the way he tackles, so that's just it. Yeah. Like that ta- People don't understand, right, around tackle technique. Yeah. They think that even someone like Owen Farrell can go and work at his tackle technique and all of a sudden becomes a Jart Berger mm. or a Finn Russell chop tackler. Yeah. Now, you know, and I know that, Changing that behavior in that less than one second is so hard. And we know that Owen will go away and is yeah. working on his tackle technique. The number of 10s, Wilkinson, old old news, old school, used to tackle high. Sexton tackles high. There's a number of players that naturally tackle high. Lads, historically, mm. from Samoa, Tonga, and Fiji are high tacklers. Yeah. Changing the technique is not easy, is it? It's not an easy thing to do in terms of, like, when you're in the heat of battle, under fatigue not thinking necessarily about anything other than making the tackle. Like Faz is a high tackler, like in terms yeah. of like the rugby league background. He's it's not, not, he's so not much, a chop tackler.
1: It's not so much technique. I think it's mentality. So if someone's running at me and I'm thinking, right, how do I best stop momentum? I'm not going to go from a player who's six foot three, bend down to a player who's 5'11 and try and chop him. I'm probably going to try and swarm him and hold him up, slow him down, then put him down. Because it's harder for me to get low and still tackle high to stop momentum. So that's the tackle that I would normally use. But now what I find with players running at me now is that to combat that, they run with their heads into my chest. So then I have to dip a bit lower. But then if I dip lower, I'm in danger of hitting the head. Mm, So who's at fault then? Yeah. If I go any lower, you think about it, someone's leant over and they're braced. There's no way to hit. I'm hitting their arms, which is braced or folded up and I either hit the ground straight away or I'm using no arms just to take their legs out. This is what people don't talk about is Mm. that it is so much harder than you think just to be like, just tackle lower.
0: It really is, yeah.
1: And there's a stat, I'm not sure what the numbers are, but I know it's true, is that you get more head injuries from being the tackler than being the ball carrier. You think so much about where you're going to put your head, you end up just not putting it in safest mm. positions.
0: Because you're second-guessing. Because you guessing Yeah, you are second-guessing yourself, yeah.
1: Because yeah. you're just thinking, uh...
0: Apart from Faz, he just wants to fucking
1: blast people. Yeah, but that's that's the mentality you have to have as a fly off because, like, my little cousin's a bit smaller than Faz. People are going to run in this channel. For example, the other week when I ran at Paddy Jackson and he trips me up when I fall into someone's shoulder. That's fine, is it? <laughs> and this is what breaks me is that it happens to me all the time where I get hit in the head and it happened against Leicester in the final, actually, where I stayed down for a little bit too long for the independent doctor. But I was like, right, we're going to get a yellow card here. Let me just have a rest. Probably served me right for trying to cheat the system. But I remember lying down and Laura, physio, holding my head. And I'm like, Laura, get off me. I'm fine. I'm just trying to milk a penalty. Next thing you know, I'm in the medical room doing the noodle, do the woodle. Yeah. And I'm like, I told you I'm fine. The doctor was like, no you looked injured. I was like, how?
0: That's your own fault, Bill. (laughs)
1: Exactly. It is my own fault. But then in my head, I'm thinking, right, if I'm off for the whole game, why has he only got a yellow card? Mm. When he hit me straight in the face. So you weren't fine? No, I was fine. Because if I wasn't fine, I wouldn't have gone on tour. I passed all my tests. So why didn't you go back on then? Oh, because there was too much going on. So we had six minutes left. They wanted me to do this test and I wasn't allowed back on within 15 minutes. So I was like, well, I'm not doing your test. Bill, you could have got the charge down, mate. <laughs> 15 minutes doesn't go into six. So I was just like, sack it. Did it at the end of the game when there's no pressure, no noise, no tension, passed it. Did it again in the morning, passed it, all fine. But yeah, that probably served me right for trying to milk it.
0: But that's what, in football, yeah. and people do speak about it, but you see, and I'm seeing it more now, And I'm not a fan of milking the pens, but you understand at the high level of performance where all the stress is that players, we've seen it all over. It ain't ain't just you. You know, you're you're speaking about it. Everyone wants to win, milk a penalty, get a penalty, kick to the corner, driving line out, and everything's so tight at the minute. In training, like, is it spoken about? So we keep using Owen Farrell because he's the topical one that's happened in recent weeks. Like, would he be working on low body tackle? Like, is that a kind of,
1: yeah, we thing. all do it. We okay. all do it, yeah. You were there when we used to do it with those tackle yeah, shoes I at the... Yeah, fucking monsters. Yeah, that was it.
0: I was like... Behind the, the posts. But I I know, but remember, like we used to do like one high, one low. That was mm. the terminology, one high, one low. Two tie, in. Tie up the ball, two in. Yeah. Whereas
1: now it's just all chop. It's, it's still one high, one low, but it's more of the higher guy doesn't come in as hard. So he's more he, passive. Yeah, he's more of a rapper, mm. which then affects our defence everyone's defence, which is probably why there's so many tries, because it's hard to stop and say Esther Hayes a one-on-one low. Unless you go high on him, you, you're not tackling him. You know, think about Manu. You're not tackling him low by yourself. I mean, he's got massive legs, but to try and stop his momentum, even if he goes two metres, that's enough for the defence to move backwards. With all the defences wanting to come off the line right now, if you're having to move two metres back before you can run forward, it's harder to defend. Mm. So it's... I'm not sure what's going to happen, but you're right. It has to be safer for people to want to play it. But then that's why people like watching it because it's like gladiatorial, isn't it? Mm. You look at something you're like, fair play. Plays rugby, is tough.
0: Yeah. And that's the fact. Yeah. At the highest level, that is yeah. the facts of it. And again, having more time away from it, I'm like, how the f-? I mean... Some people say that I, I didn't, but do you remember our first game? That, uh, no, our first game. Do you remember the game for Scotland versus England? i just signed for Saris yeah, and we came off before. Yeah, yeah, do you remember yeah. I clipped you in the head?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was counter-rocking to the fucking cow sheds and back.
0: So that was, I'd agreed to come to Saris. Yeah, We're I knew it. at that point. We're getting hammered. Yeah. And I mean, I had battles against England because I'm quarter English, so I yeah, wanted to beat England, never did. And I've clipped you on the face. Yeah, and yeah. you were fuming.
1: No, no. I was fine. I knew you were coming serious. So I was like, "It's fine." Yeah, it's it's rugby too. Like, can't cry about it all the time. It's more the illegal stuff that I never get get with, you know, like punching and things like that. Yeah, which is probably why all the nines and tens are all like so gobby. You know, Nothing back in happen. your day, remember your fight with David Pace? I do remember that. That yeah. was unreal.
0: That was my legacy. That was unreal. I didn't too.
1: want that to happen. I didn't
0: want it to happen. <laughs> So, mate, it's so bad now, though, because, like, JJ, my lad's 12, right? And I've been telling him for years that his dad's a bloody legend. Like yeah, right? yeah. hasn't done this, done that. He's on YouTube all the time. Dad, I can't find you. Like, what's this fight? I said, the game's different then, son. Yeah. Like, does it worry you? So you look at everyone involved in the concussion stuff that's happening. Some people will be doing it for the right reasons, and some people will be doing it for financially the wrong reasons. That's just life, yeah. right? When you look at it, are you worried? No. about what could be at the age of 50 honestly
1: no. no. this is the life I chose I've got a kid now I understand that risk but my parents sacrificed to come over to England to a country that is obviously very foreign to them different language to give me an opportunity to grow up in such a privileged country that is my role for my son and that's what I'm trying to play and if that means something might happen I just can't live my life thinking like that you know I've got to be present in the now whatever happens in the future you know I don't want to say anything now that I could regret in the future but in terms of you know yeah I'll be fine don't worry about me but this is the life I chose this is what I signed up for I would love to be like the healthiest person in the world but that's just the way it is and you got to accept it and and that's all I can say about myself.
0: And that's all you can speak for. Yeah. And that's the thing in this. Yes, we want to grow the game. Yeah. And people listen to this might feel uncomfortable with that. Yeah. I've said similar things. I don't want to sound like some guru, but that's my truth. Yeah. And in this instance now, mm. this is your truth and a number of other players. As, as uncomfortable as that might sound to other people. And yeah. And this is what I've been sat on, Bill, for the last year or two years since everything came out.
1: Yeah.
0: Matt, I grew up on a fucking council estate in Coff. Yeah, I had nothing. Mm. Right, rugby gave me everything. Yeah, and I can't go. Oh well, I didn't miss a miss a game for concussion. That's so and so's fault, or yeah. you know they covered something up. I don't even know. I don't even know what happened. All I know is I had the best fucking 15 years of my life. Exactly, that's all I know. Yeah, and, and, that's... The, and the memories and and what I'm doing now has only happened because of rugby and because I went 110.
1: Yeah, on the pitch. And that's that's an important point, Jim, because you forget to, like I said, be present in the the moment and enjoy it. And I think that if I do that, worry about the future, then that's what would happen to me. And to get bogged down by people telling me, little head knocks here and there will affect you. I'd love to see some of the people tell me what has happened to me, do if it actually ever happened to them. You know, I've been knocked out, I don't know how many times. Won't be that much, maybe three or four. But I never got up thinking, right, whose fault was that? You know, like, I play this game and I know it's dangerous. But I also enjoy it. I do enjoy it.
0: England, big yeah. change. You're a big fan of Eddie Jones. You said if they, <laughs> they, if you said if the Lions, they, yeah. they are they, because they are the pinnacle, had Eddie Jones then, they would have won it. Gats weren't too happy with that. You spoke to Gats or not? No, I haven't, no. I spoke to him a few weeks ago. What did he say? Well, he was a bit arsy with me because I was arsy with the Lions picking players that were geographically closer to the tour when they were in New Zealand yeah, and not picking the Scotland lads and I called him out and he called me out for calling him out and then I lied and denied it yeah. and then I went back and I did call him out I forgot
1: <laughs> so we're alright now though so you bottled it I did bottle it I made genuinely it's I bottled it it's a tough it. position to be in though well, I
0: didn't realise I'd done it yeah. like he said you called us a disgrace or I said I didn't say that and then I went back apparently I did so I, he knows anyway I've spoke to him yeah. we've buried the hatchet and we're all good and he said he regrets not taking me yeah. to Australia and. 2013, which is basically 100 years ago. But have you, are you you're right with him now or not? Uh, You'll you see him again soon. He's Wales coach.
1: Well, yeah, that, I need to get in the team first for England. It's just, um, you know, at the time, you, like put a bit of context on this, I was young, very young. I was also on a massive high with Eddie. I think we must have just won. I thought you were going to say drinking. No, 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 no. We just won the Grand Slam the year before, Eddie and, and the team. I only played twice the last two games in the 2017 Six Nations. And Eddie won a back-to-back Six Nations. And it was just something that, you know, back then I just said what I thought. And someone asked me in a radio station, I think it was like BBC, I was promoting my book. This is how young I was. I had a book when I was... Was it called Wrecking Ball or something? Yeah.
0: Well, it was. Yeah. Bang. You didn't tell me that before. I just know. (laughs) I love my rugby.
1: And I remember just, you know, thinking, right, what's going to help me promote this book? However, in hindsight, I would say that that probably wasn't the right thing to say. It's done now though. And my dad seems to think that affected what happened with me in 2021 because, you know, all the other Saris boys got in and I didn't. But I would say that that's just the way the world goes. And there is another Lions store that I could be eligible for. I could go and try and play for, so, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. The first one I remember I did my shoulder against Exeter, well, I'd been carrying, like you, I'd been carrying an injury the whole year. I remember it just kept slipping out, like subluxing, and then I remember trying to catch high ball, and then someone bumped into me and my shoulder just popped out, and I was getting strapped in the middle of that game, and they wanted me to come on tour that year, 2017. But I just remember thinking, I don't want to go on this tour and just be a passenger, And I called Gats just when we landed from Exeter in St. Albans. He said, call me in the morning. And I called him and I couldn't sleep because I I felt like it was the right thing to do. I didn't want to do it. But I called him and said, look, 7 o'clock, as soon as it hit 7 o'clock, look, Gats, or Warren Gatlin, um, I'm not going to come on tour. I don't think you'll get the best out of me because my shoulder's hanging off. Had surgery that summer. And felt like we, I probably didn't have that relationship with him because I'd never been on a tour with him. So that was what happened in 2021. But then, you know, the elephant in the room was, I wasn't playing that great. I wasn't playing as good as I had been. As hard as it is to accept, you have to accept it to be able to move on. And it probably took me a little bit too long to do that.
0: What, has and you struggled with what you'd said or the fact that you didn't go or?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, he didn't even talk to me. I just remember feeling sorry for myself, you know, but in hindsight, it probably was a good thing to happen to me. And then I thought that was the end of it. I mean, Eddie had a meeting in 2021 in a pub in St. Albans. I thought it was going to be a positive one. And he just said that he's going to give me a rest for the Canada-America games. And then after that, I got dropped for the whole year until I came back into the Australian fold. And you you mentioned there that, you know, I'm a big fan of Eddie and I am. I always will be. I just remember his first meeting. When he came in and said that I could be world-class and no one had ever had that belief in me other than the guys at Saracens that I could do anything or be effective at international rugby. And I'd already had like 30-odd caps. And so when he gave me that trust, I went on just a mad run in that Grand Slam year in 2016. Australia as well. And then it coincided with us winning everything at Saris and And he gave me that extra bit of belief that probably helped me kick on from that stage in my career?
0: I went up and down with Eddie. I don't know Eddie personally. i got a huge amount of respect, admiration mm. for him, what he's done in the game. You look at what he's done. I mean, yeah. he's one of the best coaches ever and probably will ever be one of the best coaches. I just went up and down with, I don't know why, maybe I just followed the narrative of the media. I've yeah. got no idea. But one thing that's so interesting, like listening to you talk about your admiration, This I've heard a few players naturally just mm. sort of say, well, no, I didn't like him, didn't have a great relationship but the general consensus is that the players loved him. And I'm like, well, do they? Or are they just saying that? Because one of the things that you do here is that he manages people in different
1: ways. ways. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, no, definitely. There was a point where I was very disappointed not to be in the squad. But then, you know, it's sometimes, it's like you're, like, I look at it like a relationship, like, with my father. So if my if I did something wrong, or if I didn't do something, a job, up to scratch or up to standard, he would tell me the truth. And that's what I always found with Eddie was that he was willing to tell me the truth in a way that I would accept it. You know, you say he he treats people differently. He knew how to deal with Islanders and I remember him just telling me in a way that was easy for me to acknowledge and accept. And to be fair, he probably wasn't wrong. I I think what people get wrong is that I don't think I was terrible. I just felt like the expectation of people of me is way higher than what I was performing to at the time, which is a good thing. That is on me to perform at that level and carry the team forward. And and I didn't do that for England and for Eddie. And so for him to drop me was fair enough. And, you know, if there was any part of me that wasn't envious that I wasn't in the team, I'd be lying. But there's def- there was definitely no point in me where no point in time where I'd be like, oh, Eddie's this and that. It was always like, fair enough. At least he's honest enough to tell me the truth.
0: How hard is it to keep that performance up in a player in your position that is taking huge numbers of contacts, you're the focal point of the mm. team. Like, how difficult is that year on year to sustain that in terms of the amount of games?
1: It's mental more than anything, because you got to think, right? We played... I think COVID was the hardest thing for me. Having no fans. You know, I'm a very emotional person. Having no fans, having to train. I remember just having my kid at the time in November and then having to be away from my kid and my wife, who's Australian. So she had no support system. I was the only one that could support her. And I was away. And it was harder to go to the world when you were like, is rugby as important right now during COVID? And it became harder than... Going into Six Nations when it was the same thing, I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm just saying it was tougher going in and getting flogged and thinking, right, I'm, I'm ready to go to the world lads, when you got no crowds. I didn't game with the boys, so I was just sat in my room just like going crazy, trying to find a way to find that Billy again, as some would the say. spark. Yeah, find that spark again to just turn up and... S- and tear up but at that time it was it was harder than what people give it credit for and also then say mentally we then go to the champ in covid year you're trying to get up for those games where you're like man hey the motorways were clear though were they <laughs> yeah they were. we had some good bus trips <laughs> on the way down mate england taken
0: a sledging not yeah. just from the media because how easy is it to judge players and the games and stuff when you look at like media or ex players talking about it. I I showed you something on Will Greenwood, not to open up Will, but he called me a fucking clown, so (laughs) I don't mind it. But he did some stuff after the South Africa game, which was I watched it didn't massively affect me, but Mm. the performance wasn't great. Twickenham for whatever reason it wasn't just that game. The Argentina atmosphere Mm. and the leader, I mean New Zealand's always going to be different because of the hacker just brings everything. But like looking at people like ex-players making comments, how does that affect players in the squad? When you see stuff like that, is it does it motivate you? Do you think I can have a day off, Will? Uh, or not just Will, I'm just saying that because he, yeah. he, it was brought back into my consciousness <laughs> that, that he called me a fucking clown. I do like him, <laughs> I respect him. But he called me a clown.
1: Uh, it's, it's hard to say right now without, you know, emotional attachment to it. But what annoys me the most is there's a lack of self-awareness where Will's been in game or people who've played for England previously have been in games where they've lost you know, as well. Oh, not that, not
0: them lads from two thousand and three. <laughs> oh no,
1: but to to be able to sit there and say that all these things about us is fine, but I just I just look at Australia, right, the rugby league, and see how they almost like bring each other up. I'm not saying be positive all the time; they're not. But I don't, I don't mind being criticised as long as there's like genuine care there for the team. Whereas I feel like their criticism comes from a place of how do I say something here to stick out so that I can get a job or keep my job? That's how I
0: honestly think. Mm, Because he said he's never been so demoralized. He's never seen anything. It was a big statement. That's probably not just his statement, but I think that that's why Eddie fell on his sword was because of that
1: that game. And, And this is what I'm saying is that it's easy to be that person who's obviously won a World Cup which obviously I, I respect them for doing. It's a massive honour. But like I said, to, to criticise us from a place where it's just like, <laughs> yeah, they're so rubbish. Look at them. They're demoralising their crap. Do you ever say anything that helps to build up the team? Help promote the team? Help promote a player? No. And then you see them talk about other players from other countries that they're not attached to Oh, Antoine Dupont, how good is he? He is good though. He is good. I'll give him that. (laughs) And he's like, got clips, you know, like, look at this. He does this. And I'm like, yeah, but Alan Davis does that for Saris. Well, not everything. (laughs) Yeah. And then same thing for Roman. It's like, Roman, oh, wow. I'm like, Marcus is doing it for Queens. What are you guys actually trying to get out of this? If you're trying to help us, I more than have to take on criticism, but for me, they're just feeding into this whole media circus where it's just like, yeah, he's rubbish, get him out, next person in.
0: It's so influential, though, mm. that, you know, and I, I spoke. I won't name the coach, I think it was Rob McBride, I can't remember, but I was pushing the name of the Scotland players constantly on social media, on the podcast, ahead of the Lions tour. So I mentioned Chris Harris. Yeah. I was talking about how well Finn was playing, Hamish Watson, Xander Fagerson at the time, load of different players because I was like, right, no one was talking about them. Mm. Oh, fuck it. I'm going to talk about them. I'm yeah. going to try and push. I don't think, I, think, I can't remember whether it was him, but a coach said to me that constant pressure of hearing them players' names makes a difference in terms of talking them up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like building players up constantly. Yeah. Oh, you know, definitely. I, I think it's important. I, th- I do think we fit. And again, I'm not saying what Will or, you know, the, the guys on commentary have done about They're saying it how it is emotionally led, you know, World Cup winners and stuff like that. So they are well placed to say it. But I do think, and again, I've changed. Like I've I mentioned about Johnny Sexton. I was like, oh, he needs to retire. Mm. Like, all for me. Yeah, and yeah, I'm sure yeah. he's going to tell me that when I sit and do an interview with him. Yeah, I should be saying he should be going as long as he can because he is world-class. He's the talisman, which he is now, which we now yeah. know. And it's egg on my face, which is fine as well. But I do feel we've got a responsibility. It's that brotherhood code, maybe. Yeah, And again, it's a fine line between saying something's crap and criticizing it as opposed to saying, well, this could be the reason why. So... Eddie going, I don't know, the way it all unfolded was a bit mental. I, I kind of felt that he needed to go and then I thought about it as actually, no. When you look at his record, yeah, right? The most successful English coaches England have ever had, final in 2019, et cetera, et cetera. And then the fact that Steve Borthwick's been pulled out of Leicester halfway through a season with Kevin Sinfield and now they're fucked. Um, what's the expectation as players, right? So you go into a Six Nations. What's the expectation under a new coach? Like, are you thinking... Ireland are bloody good at the minute Mm. France are the current holders World Cup around the corner the expectation's always there yeah to win a World Cup
1: I think that's what everyone was complaining about that Eddie was too focused on the World Cup so I won't be talking about the World Cup I think what I got from the meeting that we've had or I've had with Steve was that our our next game is the most important and from talking to all the Leicester boys and knowing him you know we played with him of course yeah how you know is that how,
0: how is that with him because you do I f you forget that because mm. he's but you played with him
1: yeah i played with him for a year
0: and he was one of them players that was like different wasn't he he wasn't like he ain't kissing brendan at the bar no, is he no, no, no. but he was almost like detached a little bit from yeah. the group just share a little bit about that and then carry on
1: he was very driven had that mamba mentality i remember you know, everyone respected him for the position he was in. And you know the funniest thing was? His, his best friend was Matt Stevens. Sauce. <laughs> yeah. Sauce loved the good time. So he was best mates with... Yeah. Really from, from what I gathered. And Steve was always there or thereabouts, but always stayed within his schedule and everyone respected him for it. A tough
0: bugger though, isn't he? Like yeah. the final... Two uh, finals. Two finals played yeah. with... Was his peck off the bone or yeah. something? peck off the That nails,
1: mate. Yeah. That's nails. Yeah. He looks nails. I Didn't play they,
0: necessarily like that, but...
1: I remember they strapped it up so it would be in that position. Oh, like as if his hand was up so they can catch a line out. How was the
0: conversation when you were chatting to him?
1: No, he was good. He, was, he basically just told me what I needed to do to be in the team and that I've got two weeks to do it. And he's he's an honest, straight up guy. And he said that if he was in my position, he would want his coach to back up his words with stats or notes and so he said that if I wanted to see the stats he'd show me and I was like, No no I'd take your word for it.
0: So he's he's critiquing your game or saying I need more this and more yeah. I need more that. He
1: basically said that I need to carry better. He said carry better and more yards and that's what I've been working on. I've been working on it all year. I'm trying to find a way of doing that, but how do I get three defenders <laughs> Going forward. You're asking the wrong person. I'm <laughs> sure it's a rhetorical question. No, no, but do you know what I mean? It's it's tough now because I've I've you've we've done it where we say play Clermont that year we beat them by loads in that semi final. We say, right, Fritz Lee's the guy we have to go after. Yeah, right?
0: making meters. And I remember Jacques
1: Berger and Skylar Britsch just like chopping the life out of it. Cutting five people off to try and get him. And I feel like that is maybe what's going on with me now. So oh, to- definitely Bill. I need to find a way of doing what I use, I, I can do, more effectively with this target on my back.
0: It, it seems like there's been a not a shift, but the big ball carriers like you, mm. where they can double and triple team you. I don't know. There's only one player that I'm watching that manages to get through mm. the tackles, and that's Ali Surveyor. Like he's a nutter. Mm. The way he carries. Yeah. Is there anyone else you see out there where you're like, right, they're leading the charge? And that brings me on to like teams and stuff like that. Like Ireland are brilliant at the minute, as we know. Like France as well. Like Audrey's probably similar to you, yeah. would you say? In terms of carrying. Mm. Doris is a little bit different. I'm trying to think, like, in terms of players that are leading the charge. Like do you look at anyone and or not, do you just focus on yourself? Because you've been leading you've been talking to charge and you've been leading the yeah. charge.
1: I've s i have have been just focusing on what I can do better. I'd say the boys in the Prem have been doing well. You know, you're Ben Hill's of this world, different shape as well, oh, isn't he?
0: Just power, yeah. That, that
1: kind of explosive power. Mm. I'd say Don Brandt. He runs different lines, though, so he like plays off. He's wider than you, yeah, isn't he? but he runs some lovely lines. Probably a little bit faster than me, as well. Is he? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Is he a lot faster? Yeah. Is he? <laughs> um, but yeah, those are the boys I'd say have been. Well, I'd say Ben Hill's been doing really well in that aspect, but he plays a little bit wider as well.
0: Because people wouldn't associate him necessarily as a carrier Mm. because he's quite small, but he is a carrier. Yeah.
1: It's like an extra back sometimes. Mm. Esther Hazen goes, well
0: Jasper Visa, he's he's similar. Yes,
1: yes. He's good. I agree. Yeah. He's coming on. Is he? Yeah, he's coming on twenty fifth of Jan. He runs a different like style where he's just like he's almost like that. Horizontal. Yeah.
0: But that's what I mean. The old school kind of out and out eight. Mm seems more difficult now like your position because it yeah. is easier to team up but the fact that you're making yards mm. like you mentioned like Manu like if he gets gain line well yeah. that's exactly what it is you don't see many busts through now especially international level. Yeah. Do you? it's all like the the micrometers Yeah. you look at Ireland play and the France are a little bit different but Ireland in the tight channels of manipulating footwork and stuff yeah. like that they never blast all the way through and Six Nations who's the one like that gets Billy up for it I know you get up for all of them who do you want to beat the most Scotland. Do you? Yeah. Oh, God.
1: Don't say that. They've been talking rubbish, man. And I saw something <laughs> about Gregor Townsend saying, like, we've had England's number. Which is fair enough. Well, I was going to say, well, years. they've
0: won two on the bounce.
1: Yeah, but it's like, relax,
0: Gregor. It's our time, mate.
1: Do we want to bring up, like, old, are we bringing up, like, don't, two years no, ago? No, don't, we? don't. Like, right, no, five yeah. years ago. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, mate, this is it. This is this year now, you know? England against Scotland. Like, relax on the BBC.
0: It's still historic. Like I think with Scotland, it's historic. Yeah, yeah. Just because of the the history. Yeah,
1: the that's what I mean.
0: A thing. my dad always said, I don't have a great relationship with my dad, and he, he's not told me many good things. But he told me one important thing. Mm. He said, it "Doesn't matter what happens, you lose every single game as long as you beat the English." <laughs> that's what he said. Yeah. I says, "Well, we've lost every game, <laughs> and I drew against England. <laughs> Felt like a win." What about you, Bill? Going forward, like you're thirty now, yeah. still young. Do you reckon? Yeah, mate. If I like that. 40, I'm 40. Oh,
1: okay, It's yeah, like
0: yeah. at the point now where it's like, my goodness me, I, I genuinely do feel old at yeah, 40 yeah. now. But you're 30. 30. What's the ambitions going forward? Like, do you have a, an age in which you'd like to keep going? There's always talk of France with you. There's always yeah. talk of Clermont with you and your brother. Clermont? Always. Was it? I don't know why. I might have said it. It might have been me who started it. <laughs> but like, like, have you got an idea that you've been through a lot?
1: I think... In terms of Saracens, we've probably done everything that we can do with them. In Who's we? The team.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, myself. Do you um, mean your brother, do you come as a package still or just?
1: No, we've got families now. It's different now, you know, you got to look after your own. I'm not sure. In terms of wanting to experience something new, I'm definitely open to it. You know, this is a massive year for, for everyone involved with England, with Saracens. You know, I want to get picked for England. I want to play for England. After that, we can see where we are. But I think for me, my head is firmly on trying to play as well as I can, finding a way to make more meters, finding a way to be more prominent in games, especially international level. And then, because then I'll be in a better position then to make a call on, you know, if teams look at me and think, right, you can actually help our team rather than being hindrance or not be that good. So in terms of experiencing France or Japan or, or Australia, Super Rugby. You know, my wife's Australian. Definitely something that I've thought about before, but I've never done. And like you said, I'm 30 now, so I think now would be the right time to to pull the trigger on something like that.
0: And the fire's still in the belly. I mean, I look, I love like being here with you because you're still doing it, mm. and I'm jealous. Yeah, not that I ever did what you did, but I'm jealous in terms of like not being yeah. at that high performance you know, like an athlete taking, doing it. taking contacts, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. the feeling of that. It's, you know, Jason White said once when he came in to hand a jersey out to a player, he's like, he'll be gone. Yeah, Enjoy the moment. And you know, it's like, you're, 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 all right, mate. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Life, when you've got kids as well, yeah. like, you see how quickly it goes. No, I, I definitely good agree. good times,
1: mate. I think also England are in a very, very good position right now. You know, everyone's like slagging them off, slagging us off saying that they're finished. Gregor's all over (laughs) you. And, you know, there's, there's no better way to respond than just to do it. So, like I said, the first game is the most important and my job is to try and get selected. So,
0: now you go get him, Bill <laughs> Matt I've loved it I love you I love what you stand for Thank Loved you. playing with you It was an absolute treat And to have you in the studio here Has been class So I wish you luck And all the best Apart from Scotland But Gregor Townsend Might have absolutely <laughs> Done himself in the eye there
1: Thank you Cheers Thank Bill, you. Bill.